What's up, everybody? Rick Fan here. Welcome to the Fan of Life channel, Fan of Life show. Today's episode, I get a chance to sit down and have a great conversation, really a beautiful conversation with Tiffany Mays, a Hellar. And Tiffany is not only just an entrepreneur, but she is a mother, a wife, and a visionary. Um, and uh, I'll let her explain a little bit of what her vision is and how she's transcending not just business here in the States, but overseas as well, too. But we touch a lot on family. We touch a lot on values. We touch a lot on belief systems. And I think sometimes in this fast-paced world, we forget the uh, spiritual side of things. I'm not talking about religion, but just the inner spirituality that we have to take time to really reflect uh, introspectively. And she describes things in a beautiful way, uh, both uh, regarding life and really death as well, too, that um, I didn't think of before. And uh, for me, I think I really came out of this conversation a little bit more evolved. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all shooting for, is we're shooting for growth in our humanity. Um, business and everything is important, but uh, at the end of the day, life is meant to be lived. And uh, I think Tiffany is a great example of that. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Ms. Tiffany Mays, a Holar. How are you, Ricky? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for making the time to uh, chat with me. Uh, I know you're a busy, busy entrepreneur, uh, mother, wife, spiritual leader, and all that good stuff. So we'll dive all into that. But just really quick, I want to thank you for your time this morning. It's a pleasure. I'm super inspired to have a conversation with you. As always, as am I, as am I. And really, I think that's what we're going to do today is just kind of go down uh, a natural conversation, you know, uh, to quote uh, a Disney movie. I think you're, you're like an onion with multiple layers. So it's hard to pin what we want to talk about. So I just kind of want to chat a little bit. And I think the conversation will evolve. But uh, first and foremost, tell me a little bit about you, a little bit about your background. Yeah. Um, born and raised in Carson City, Nevada. Uh, my father, Irish English, and my mother, African American, Native American. Mm. Um, and they migrated from my mother, Louisiana, um, and my father, Missouri. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm a West Coast girl for sure. That being said, though, you um, had a little stint on the East Coast too, right? During your, uh, some of your younger adulthood, right? Right. So I left when I was 17, Carson City, and I went all the way to the East Coast, Boston, Massachusetts, to go to college. Okay. Yeah, to a communications Emerson College school uh, to grab my bachelor's in theater. And I had an opportunity to go and study abroad in Holland and travel throughout uh, Western Europe and go to all those museums and understand uh, different places. We went to the concentration camps in Germany and went to Italy and the Czech Republic. So coming from Carson City, that was an eye for sure. Right. That I'll never forget. Right, right. How important is it, and we can dive into it a little bit deeper, but just overall, how important is it, do you think, travel in terms of education is? Like how important is actually traveling and, and going abroad? Yeah, going abroad, um, I love to read. I love people. I've always been really infatuated with international relationships and countries and cultures and languages and music and food. So it was one thing to really uh, be immersed in that growing up mm -hmm. with my mom and dad and taking us, you know, to listen to music and 
it's another thing to get on a plane and to leave and to step into those countries and understand currency and understand, you know, the privilege of an American passport and mm. food and the respect and the differences of cultures in speaking the English language or picking up, uh, you know, their cues on language and speaks first and who doesn't and why right. and you know the trains the planes it's it's a, a priceless education anyone who loves to travel will always say that they learn more of traveling mm -hmm. than you ever learn in a classroom absolutely i i agree with that let me ask you this what do you, as you travel i'm sure you find a lot of differences with the western culture compared to you know other places in the world so we can name differences, you know, all day long, but what on a humanity level do you, do you see that is always common no matter where you go? Yeah, I believe no matter where I've, I've gone or what tables I've sat with, everybody just wants to be heard. Mm. And that looks different and sounds different and feels different to different cultures. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to be acknowledged and heard in what it is that they're expressing in that moment, in that transaction, in that introduction is just acknowledgement and connection. In my opinion, that is a humanitarian threat with any culture or country or people. I agree. I agree with that. That's actually very well put. I was going to say something along that line. And then the other common thread is regardless of status, regardless of position in life in different various situations, at the end of the day, the care for your tribe and the care for your family typically is at the core of what people, dictates how people behave, right? So I think with what we're seeing right now culturally, because of, you know, social media and, and what have you, you're able to expand out, you know, virtually to, to the world, but sometimes we neglect and forget that, you know, what makes us happy, like you said, is to be heard, but also to be, be accepted and be loved within our own small tribe, our own, you know, family unit. And I, 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 I segue to that because I know um, you, that's heavy for you in terms of, you know, what, what you value. And I know from a spiritual standpoint, that's kind of at your core as well, too. So talk to me a little bit about uh, family in your upbringing and then the family that you're you're building now uh talk to me a little bit about that yeah um so you know i never thought about it growing up but right. coming from um like two two cultures in one home right white and black it's everything i've always known and it's all i've known so two different perspectives the pros and the cons. And so as an offspring of that environment, um, I quickly mastered uh, the instinct of always finding the glass half full in whatever situation we're mm. in. There's always going to be differences. There's always going to be cons um, in communication between two different cultures. So it's really, okay, well, what what's the thread? What are we understanding? What are we so with that, it helped me when I went to the East Coast at 17 years old to understand the East Coast mentality as opposed to the West Coast mentality. What were the similarities? What were the differences? Uh, where did I need to catch up? Where did I need to slow down in interacting with people and competing 
academically. Then we go over to, I go over to Europe and now I'm understanding different uh, cultures. So, you know, everything, the foundation of people's presence and interaction with the world always begins in the home mm. um, at a very young age uh, for the good or the bad, right? Sure. And so for the good, it helps us moving forward in our life, the development and the, the more challenging, not so good, not so fun experiences we had as children, um, it makes us aware. So how I react to other people is really how I'm reacting to people in my home mm -hmm. um, and, and how I communicate with myself because it's just a direct reflection in how I treat other people is my theory. Like that's my belief. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are there some, are there core things that you um, took from your childhood that you're passing on to your kids now? And then are there differences in how you're brought up and how you're bringing your kids up now? Sure. I remember my father always saying, Tiffany, your job as a parent is not to change the world. It's just to do a little bit better than where your parents came from. Right. I was okay. like, okay, that takes a little of the pressure off. Um, and always to remember that everybody is always doing the best that they can. Mm. So, you know, I, we have a 14 year old son and a 12 year old daughter. And, you know, that could be very frustrating times in junior high and high school and their interactions with, you know, he's in soccer and coaches and calls and teachers. Sometimes we love our teachers. Sometimes teachers are really, you know, frustrating or rub us the wrong way. Um, so I try to just always remind the children and myself every day, everybody's doing the best that they can. So if that, their best isn't good enough for you then you have to tweak your perspective and you have mm. to find something good about it and then move on. But don't hang on to what's really pissing you off about the situation. You got to sure. just like find something good and then move on. I really think that I, I innately have that, um, that theory because of my mother and father, my mm. father being white, my mother being black. Like that was the theory of the house. Like, okay. Dad's family does it this way. Mom's family does it that way. We're now doing it this way, a combination, mm. um, an innovation and like, you know, taking that baton and then creating something different for our home. Mm -hmm. And then of course I turn around and I end up finding, you know, my heart and my life partner and he's now from Africa. So it's like, you know, I literally turned around and kind of did the exact same thing of what, how I was raised, which right. is having two different, completely different cultures in the house. Um, it takes a lot of listening. Mm. It takes a lot of um, patience. Uh, I would say negotiation or just give and take. Um, but it's really rich when you go out into the world after, you know, we're in our home and we're, we're working through all of our our similarities and our differences. And then we go out into the world, you know, Elijah, Ezra, my husband, myself, and all of a sudden things make a lot more sense. Mm. It's comforting. So to find the comfort in the differences, to move through the challenges of differences, whether you're agreeing to disagree or yeah. you're thinking about it and maybe out, it's, it's fascinating to me. No, that is, you hit a, a very unique and cool point is that because you know there's so much diversity just within your family 
you're forced to figuratively and literally speak a different language so that your perspective comes in various forms, right? So when you go out there in the real world, then you go, oh, this is how I run the house anyway. It's not always just in this little bubble that a lot of people kind of just place themselves in and they never break out of. So I think that's a huge blessing. Uh, and for you to see it in that perspective is, is fantastic. So, um, you know, my channel, one of the things that I love doing is I love talking with interesting people, different perspectives, people that, you know, seen the world and go out and live. My, my whole mantra is, you know, life is meant to be lived, right? Um, and through, through that, I hone in on the entrepreneurial side of things quite a bit. And sometimes because of my personality, um, I'm a super expressive driver. So it's go, 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 go. What I love about you and people like you and people like uh, my buddy uh, Tyson Dela Cruz is you believe on the, in the freedom of entrepreneurship, but you also have a different perspective. You guys are a little bit more spiritual. You're a little bit more, I don't want to say laid back, but you have a different flow and energy to you, proving that you don't have to be cookie cutter to be an entrepreneur, right? So where does that come from for you? Because I know you to be very spiritual uh, in terms of, you know, being very introspective um, and, and things of that nature. Where does that come for you? My experiences I've always had on a very like personal, intimate level since I was a young child. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just uh, communication with something outside of the five senses. Right. And it took a very long time for me to get used to it, to, you know, acknowledge it, to not ignore it, to not be scared of it because of all the you know, Hollywood stories or um, lots of religions. Um, yeah. And so once, you know, I started getting very comfortable with it, it was becoming more clear and always apparent and, and, and the insight and the perspective. And at the end of the day, I really, really, I love people mm -hmm. um, and I love hearing their stories. And so I feed off of that because of so much information that gets downloaded into my mind. So when I you know, talk to people or I'm routing the next quarter, you know, from a business perspective, I really, at this point in my life, take a moment and just go into silence and on a regular basis and check in and I'm like, all right, well, what, what's my next step? Mm. Which was hard because, you know, going back East and working with um, some very prominent, iconic, powerful people. It was like, I had to have a plan. Right. I had to know what was going on. I could not let anything drop out of the bottom. Like I had to be in control. Yeah. And, and you know, I really after childbirth and having the children, something just clicked inside of me and I was like, uh, and especially after coming back from Africa, it's like, oh, I'm not in control. So I have to be very quiet to listen to my next step. Um, Cause I almost see it as like a Tetris game in my head. Sure. And information um, and movement is always uh, deconstructing to reconstruct. And it's happening so quickly in my brain that yes, I'm, I'm thoughtful more so than I ever have been in my life at this point in time. And I'm grateful for it because there's a lot of things going on, you know, since mm -hmm. the beginning of 2020 or 2019 that has people, you know, a little 
off their no or with the pandemic yeah. and the global and the security and the food and the diet and the death and all of this. And it's like, I really, really uh, find it. I have to check in with the quietness and the stillness to get my next move um, because it always works. Right. As to what it needs to be done. Right. No, no, that totally makes sense. And, and, and thank you for bringing that up because that's, I mean, for me personally, that's a huge reminder too, because again, my natural inclination because of my personality and my hardwiring is if there's a problem, I got to solve it today. If there's a problem, I have to have the answer. And for you to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I got out of that was to understand that, hey, it's okay to not have the answer this moment. That's right. And it's okay to take a pause. And it's okay to reflect. And I think that quiet time is so huge that people miss out on. And there's a higher, higher level of intelligence that goes beyond just your natural frontal cortex of problem solving, right? There's a, I keep using the word spiritual because I don't have the, the vocabulary to replace that, but there's a higher plane of existence that I believe if you let yourself be quiet or sit in, in quiet, it, things will come to you a little bit more easily, I think. Yeah, I like how you said higher intelligence. It's just an intelligence that is inside of me, but it's it's like uh, I can't touch right? it unless I'm quiet. I yeah, can't a, get it from the news. I can't call a friend on it. I mm -hmm. can't. I some you know even between husband and wife, sometimes I have to get very quiet and figure out okay, how do I communicate this? What is going on right now? What? Yeah. How do you want me? What do you want me to say? And I'm literally talking. You know, people call this energy or this higher intelligence, God, Buddha, you can call it whatever you want. It's, mm. it's definitely a thing. The sun always rises. The moon comes. There is a beautiful intelligence always mm -hmm. co-creating with us. Uh, us. Yeah, us. Yeah, we, we, we detach ourselves a little bit too much, right? We forget that we're, we're part of something bigger sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, so. From a business and entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, I know you have a lot of things, a lot of irons uh, in the fire. So some of them probably proprietary information that you don't want to reveal yet. But where are you at right now in terms of what type of businesses that you're venturing into that you can share? Well, I really, um, I really love food and I really love people and mm. I love to feel good. Um, and I think food. For me makes sense uh, in behavior so mm. that makes a lot of sense to me naturally and so when i was over in africa this last year i my husband's been working with the farmers for you know over a decade and i just spent a lot of time with the farmers and looking at their leaves and their greens and you know what they were doing with their seeds and their oils and um just all the plant life and going deep into uh, the tropical rainforest and smelling it and going to the rivers and then going into the kitchen and playing with it and then sitting mm. with the elders and watching what they're doing with it. Um, and, you know, this place, my husband's uh, home, hometown uh, is really cool, Benin City, Benin Kingdom. In Nigeria, it's a 2,000-year dynasty. Mm. So the, the rituals of respect with 
food and earth and, um, you know, how you function and how you heal yourself just by what you're putting together and drinking like the tea with the hibiscus, with the honey, with the, so that is what I'm really interested in right now. I think it's great timing because I think a lot of people are starting to focus on that more yeah. uh, with the climate of, you know, global health and, and there's a lot of fear and, you know, people are talking about weight gain or uh, just people are talking about death a lot. That's what I've noticed mm-hmm. since I've been back and there's a great fear. And I'm like, no, like there's always a remedy in the earth for what your ailment is. Mm-hmm. If you so choose to, but some people think it's too much or it's confusing or it's not going to work. And I love it. I think it's worth it. So I just want to share some, some teas and some oils or, you know, remedies that we all think about somehow in our lives. Like, you know, whether it's our grandparents, our parents, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, eczema, colon, gum disease, all of these things that we deal with, stress, um, you know, it has to do with the pituitary gland and just eat more greens, but people don't want to eat greens because they're gross. Well, they don't have to be gross. They could be really good. Yeah, and yeah. It's not expensive and you don't have to write the prepackaged. You can just go to the produce and put it in water, put a few things in it and taste sweet good and it makes you feel really good the clarity um gives the confidence which is then easier to communicate on that frequency of you know respect and love right so 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 twofold to that so the business side of it if i'm explaining it wrong let me know from the business business logistics standpoint of it is you're working um with agriculture in nigeria to bring some of the natural resources, herbs, uh, plant medicine, things of that nature um, across the west western side of the world? Is, is that the gist of, of what your big picture goal is? Yeah, just to share some of the teas. Like I, I you know, I would never, um, you know, say they're going to cure you, but I do know that a lot of teas come from, you know, different places all over the world, mm. you know, the Caribbean, China, they have all these places. And I'm like, well, there's some really cool stuff coming from Nigeria. So I just want to offer apothecaries on a national level mm. uh, through distribution purposes, some really cool leaves that yeah. um, there's a leaf, yeah, that I'm working with right now. And it's really only outsourced from India and Nigeria. And it's so awesome. Like this leaf yeah. is badass. I love this leaf. And so like this weekend, um, I'm going to go hit up a vegan market and just kind of be there with some of the teas that I have and find out where people's minds are, um, what their questions are, what their apprehensions are, what they're excited about, what mm-hmm. they're confused about. And yeah, just talk to the people. So you're, you're trying to kind of get everybody or whoever wants to participate to go back to source, which is mother nature, right? Is, is, is that um, basically the, the mantra or the, or the goal that I'm hearing? I do. I mean, I just do it myself. So if that resonates with people, I'm just going to start, you know, unapologetically telling my story that I've kind of been myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just in general. So I believe like if I have a question, um, Mm -hmm. nature has an answer. Um, If I need clarity, I go for a walk in nature. If I need anything, I know Mm -hmm. I can actually find it on the earth. 
And so that's very clear to me. So I just kind of want to like share that message. So whoever resonates with it, yeah, I'm just another person who believes it. There's so many people that believe it, especially the youth. The youth are like so in tune with that. Right, right. And what's what's interesting is, you know, for clarity for people that are listening, it's not a all or nothing. In other words, there's a time and place also for Western medicine. I mean, if I go out there and I, I, I get into a, a car wreck, I break my hip, you better believe I'm using Western medicine for the surgery portion and all that other stuff. But once the healing process begins, it would be very smart to look into the herbal, look into source, look into nature to help feel, uh, heal you internally. Because right. if your insides are strong, then your external become stronger as well too. I think there's a good balance and a good blend. And, and when people talk, start talking about, for lack of a better description, holistic healing, they start thinking of all these, you know, woo-woo stuff. And then they, they neglect the Western side, but there is a definite balance. It's funny because, you know, with sports medicine, cupping is all the rage right now, right? Cupping has been around in Asia for two, 3,000 years. I was doing cupping as a kid when I had to help break fevers and stuff. And I just think my mom was a whack job doing cupping. But now it's in every sports, medicine, sports performance area there is. So it's, it's, it's funny that you go back. As Western medicine develops, you also see a big swing where your people are going back and studying things of 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. So to, to kind of summarize that, I do believe there is a balance. So, so thank you for bringing that to the, um, the table. You, um, you talked about something a little bit earlier, and, and, and uh, if it's not a topic you want to discuss right now, I completely understand, but we touched on everyone's fear, everyone has death in the forefront, obviously with COVID and everything like that. And, and if you, you go down the rabbit hole of bad news porn, that's all it's going to be you know, in the forefront. Um, but but what is your view on death in terms of what is your belief system around death? Do you find uh, that is slightly different than the norm or or what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely different than the norm for okay. sure. It's um, with my father's transition that happened right when we got back from Africa. Um, it was, I was so grateful to be close to the family and like my my father and my relationship ever since I was a small child was very, um, the communication happened on all different types of levels. Like mm -hmm. he was doing, you know, they were doing uh, all types of meditation when I was in the womb. They were, so my father and I had a lot of conversations um, about, you know, transition and just different energy fields and dimensions. and. I'm so grateful that he did have those conversations with me because it was comforting mm. um, in what I was experiencing. So, you know, I'm a firm believer uh, that energy never dies. It's only transferred. And I believe that because uh, I've experienced too many things that uh, would say anything different from that. So... It's like you come to life, you know, you come to earth, in my opinion, for a reason. The fun game is to find out that reason and yeah. love. And when it's time to transition, it's time to transition. So I really believe um, in always, you know, my groups of friends, my close network 
are, are always very similar in this thought process. And that's why it's so easy to kind of go above and beyond in our relationships with one another, you know, in kindness and assistance and um, because it's why we're here is to help one another. Right. And then when that transition happens, all is well, because it is the cycle of life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's different for every person that I've lost and there's different roles. So there's different emotions, there's different you know, levels of grief, but I'm always very, I don't want to say grateful, but I'm always very um, overwhelmed with gratitude for the life of someone who transitions at the time of transition. It's like the first thing that I think when I get the news. Just wow. overwhelming, just like, oh, gratitude. Okay, they did it. Okay, all is well. Okay. And it's a very innate feeling for me. It's a very automatic feeling. I don't know if any of that makes sense. No, no, it does. And obviously, um, you know, my, my perspective in life, and, and I think it's a natural evolution for everybody as they get older, they realize their, you know, the fragileness of their mortality and, and their life. I mean, it, you can come and go literally with the snap of a finger, right? Um, and I, I do see where you're coming from. And I love, I love listening to people's vocabulary and you use use the word transition. And and that in a sense determines, at least in your mind, your belief that, like you said, no one ever really goes away. It's just a different plane that they're on. It's just a different frequency that they're on. Um, and that gives, I think people if they if they want to believe that it really did does give them solace because if you love someone in the tangible world yeah you may physically lose them but you never really lose them and at some point you'll probably be with them again in some way form you know or shape um and i think that's beautifully stated uh and i think the thing with death too is uh, I said this to somebody a while ago. I said, you know, the unique thing about death is that it is a blessing. So when you say gratitude, it, it kind of resonated with me. I see it as a blessing because we as human beings are the only creatures on earth that realize at some point we will die. You know, my, my dog who is napping on the couch has no clue, right? She has uh -huh. a, a very low understanding of what, what the world is. You know, her world is, you know, car rides, walks, and, and her, you know, my wife and I. But she doesn't realize that. At some point, she's no longer going to physically be there. We as human beings have that blessing. Uh, some are crippled by it with fear, and some go out and really live life. You know, and and to quote somebody, you know, life is, is the game that you can never, you know, f uh, escape alive. So might as well live it, right? Um, so I think the word transition is a beautiful word to describe what your father and your family has seen your father gone through. And my first reaction was to send you my condolences, but you know what? I don't think there's anything to be sad about. I think it's a gratitude and a, let's see what's next for him on the other plane. So right. for what it's worth, to, to answer your question, yes, it totally made sense what you said. It was beautifully stated. Um, so where are you guys in terms of um, going back to your, your family? Uh, ideally, you know, as a parent, I would assume there are certain benchmarks that if your kids become or hit, you would feel that you've done your job. In other words, you know, it's not about if they're quote unquote successful, because that's, you know, that's, that's objective. But 
if your kids understand a couple of key points and lessons from you and your husband, um, what would it be? What, what are some of the key points that are super important for you? You know, um, it's like my 14 year old son going into high school, uh, first year of high school going in and he was getting bombarded with some coaches from different sports. Uh, I want you to try out for this. I want you to try out for that. And I was just kind of watching and watching Elijah in the evenings. And I was watching him. And I was like, I can tell that he's kind of confused or stressed out or mm -hmm. he's losing in his mind what it is that he wants to do because he's shocked about how many people are pulling at him right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's new. He's 14. Right. And so, you know, I leave him alone. I leave him alone. I ask him a few questions, you know, and through time, I just told him, I said, Hey, listen, here's the deal. I mean, this is our parenting style for sure. You need to do what you want to do always. Always. Don't ever let anyone rush you. Don't ever, ever, um, you know, agree to anything without giving yourself time to think about it and, you know, find someone that you trust that you can actually talk to things, uh, talk things about with them. Um, and just slow down. You do mm. not have to respond to anyone at their, like, uh, time limit. And if people like that, then in my mind, that's a pure motive. If people get annoyed by that, that's a character. Mm. And there could be some type of control or manipulation or <clears throat> they could be wanting you to do something for their own reason. So when you are being asked to do something, make sure you slow down and you really give yourself enough time to respond. I think wow. that's a big one. That is a big one. That is a big one. That, that I've learned and I have to remind myself all the no, time. No, that, that's I'm very fast. Yeah, that, that, that's huge. Let, let's pin that. Let's sit on that for a little bit. So to summarize that, let's say you have exterior or outside influence for you to go a certain direction to, to do a certain thing. If that person or entity or whatever that's trying to convince you or, or suggest you go a certain path and they get frustrated or they push or what have you, then you kind of have to ask, what's it, what's in it for you? Because if it's all about me, why are you rushing my journey? Wow. Right. What's that, the motive? Yeah, yeah. What's the motive? And, and I don't want, you know, people to, to walk around being cynical of people's motives, but I no. think the higher intelligence to realize, Hey, there's something to be said about why, if anybody is trying to push you a certain direction to analyze those things, um, to be self-aware of what you want. That's beautifully yeah. stated. Um, what are you excited about? Let me, let me rephrase it. Two questions. What, for lack of a better description, what keeps you up at night? One, and what are you excited about? Two. Um, I'm excited about watching my journey in front of me unfold <clears throat> because it's, it's always different, kind of. It's always bigger than what I was thinking in mm. my head so that really excites me to be like okay well how is this going to turn out because you just never know um that really excites me and and 
and of course, meeting people and hearing their stories. It keeps me going all day, every day. Mm. What keeps me up at night is, which is kind of hard to do because I sleep really heavily, but like say during the day and I'm just like, oh, I need to take a break from doing this right now. And then I'll go and I'm just thinking, what am I thinking about? Trying, that's what I'm always working on is trying not to control that journey. Mm. Like there's a fine line for me in um, showing up in my responsibility, doing my due diligence of what, you know, logistically needs to be taken care of in order to walk into a situation um, and be as prepared as I consciously can be. And then there's another thing to just let it go and not try to prioritize or based out of what, Tiffany, like fear, fear of what? I don't know. So finding the fears, like, is it, the lack of dot, dot, dot. Those are the things that I'm constantly questioning myself with. You know, if my kid like says something to me and I'm like, oh my God, why did you say that? That's so, I don't know, inappropriate or don't say that. Why am I responding that way? Well, it's triggering something inside of me that's fearful. What is that? So those are the things that my mind is um, thinking about. Uh, so I do a lot of, um, I don't know, I love philosophy, I love theory, I do a lot of listening and reading and documentaries. Um, so if that answered your question. No, it does. It's just, so so it's, it shows your human side, right? Because we all, no matter how much we think we've evolved, we still have the humanity in us, which is great. But the negative side is a lot of times we're in our heads quite a bit, right? And you, you spoke right. on you spoke on fear and then you said the word lack. I right. think most fear comes from a standpoint of lack. Right. You know, it's it's that, you know, false evidence appearing real that you're not gonna be enough, you're not gonna have enough, you're not going to whatever enough right. from a standpoint of lack. And where do we get that from? You know, and trying to quiet that. Hmm. Um, it's such a privilege to live in this country. It oh is my such gosh. a privilege to be an American of these yes. United States of America. No matter how you look at it, this is my personal opinion. And at the same time, there's a huge responsibility, I believe, as just a human being to be like, okay, these are my privileges. This is what I have. And also, am I checking in with, like, the person? Not Mm. the quick, I mean, oh, the capitalism and the privilege to be able to play with capitalism and reach Mm. out on global levels is in my opinion, a responsibility of a, an American citizen, right? Because preach, we're here preach. and we can do it and preach. other people cannot. Yes, um, so that balance of, okay, this is the system. How can I innovate it to something that touches my heartstrings and helps someone that I want to help? That is such an interesting role in 2021 going into 2022. Taking use of the of the the vehicle known as capitalism in the United States of America is not only a privilege, to some level, it's almost a responsibility. The responsibility. Yeah. In other words, you morality. Yeah, you you should in some form, way, shape, or another, because what you create through capitalism can transcend your small circle into the world. You know. And you're doing that. So so I commend and I applaud you for that. Um, I love these conversations because we definitely can go in different rabbit holes and, and we can go on forever and ever. 
I, I love to keep it within a short time because I think the audience digests it better and yeah. it makes them want a round two. So um, as we near the end here, I want you, I'm giving you the megaphone to the world. If you had the megaphone to the world, what would be one or two key messages that uh, you hope to, um, to send to, to the people? Um, you know, a gratitude, just gratitude for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, um, patience mm. yourself and others. So that for me means slowing down on response, which is challenging for me because again, I've made my money on being quick. Mm. So, you know, just taking a minute, like five two minutes out of the day and saying, hey, what can I do different today that I didn't do yesterday? Maybe it's eating an apple. Maybe it's calling my aunt, mm. 88. Maybe it's mopping the floor. What is something that I can do today that I didn't do yesterday? And to remember everybody at the end of the day, no matter what the opinion is, is actually they're doing the best that they can. They really are. Wow. Beyond my opinion of what that best is or isn't, the judgment and criticism is like, <laughs> that's like yesterday. We have to start really accepting people for where they are and understanding that's their reality. So how can we be compassionate and just be like, okay, I hear you. I acknowledge you. All is well. That's, uh, that's grace, right? That's grace and empathy. Right. Yeah, I, I think that I think we need a lot more of that, especially now with with the crazy turmoil and the division that that we're feeling in our country is if we sat down, we had conversations like this. I'm sure if you and I, you know, on camera, off camera had a three, four hour conversations, we'll find X amount that we agree on, X amount that we disagree on. But at the end of the day, to to kind of bring this conversation full circle is that we have common threads that run through our humanity. That's right. And if we can use that as a baseline, I think uh, we'll definitely, by our time of transition, we will leave this world a better place than we came into it. That's right. Diversity is our asset. It is our strongest, strongest asset. Beautifully stated. Beautifully stated. I will wrap this up and let you go. I told you it was going to go by really quick. Uh, we can keep on going, but like I said, I think I want the audience to uh, to uh, go for a round two. So I'll definitely have you back on. Um, do a little bit of self-promotion, self-plug. Is there anything that uh, you're doing now or anywhere that the audience can go and kind of check you out to learn more about you? Sure, you can check me out on my website, which is www.tiffanymaysahelor.com. And I will link that in the uh, bio so people can see it. Thank you. And discover um, you on their own. Yeah, it's at Tiffany Mesa Heller on Instagram, Tiffany Mesa Heller, Facebook, LinkedIn as well. Um, we're partnering with the Urban Chamber of Commerce and Tourism and relaunching the global uh, roundtable discussion, um, talking about investments on global levels with different entities on federal, national uh, local and state levels with the state of Nevada. So that's really exciting. And that relaunches November 3rd. And it is a hybrid on Zoom and in person from nine to 10. Um, and what is it? I write for the local Black Image um, magazine. And you can always catch my editorial on, I don't know, just 
healthy living um, mentally and physically. Tiffany, thank you so much for being a go-getter, but more importantly, being a go-giver. Um, it was my honor, my pleasure, and we will have you on again. And you have a beautiful family, a beautiful life, and uh, more to come. So I look forward to seeing the evolution of that. Thank I you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you.